Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Byron Neustraten. My favorite topics, one of my favorite topics, is really creation versus evolution. What you see there on the screen has a question mark. Faith versus science. You know, it's the biggest lie that they've been told out there. That faith and science do not go together. They do. They do. Because faith comes by what? The hearing of the, or the reading of the word. Yeah? You study your Bible a lot, prayerfully, your faith increases. It grows. And he makes it grow. If he's the author of your faith, and the Bible is correct that God is your creator, then you have the same author in both, haven't you? And if you go to science, and he is the creator, if science is what he put in place, your Bible the world out there has the same author. It is interesting when you look at the people who did the main inventions in the last 200 years or so. These were all Christian people, Bible-believing people, scientists. And somehow it is believed that we're so clever now that the Bible ultimately now cannot be trusted in the account that it gives. Now, I'm going to prove to you from some issues this morning that which you know already, and you could safely assume I was going to say that the evidence is that the Bible is correct in the account that it gives. Now, if it gets a little bit technical, I'll keep it simple. I want you to pay attention. I find it amazing the people that come to church for many decades and they can't defend what they believe. And that's because they sleep a lot when they're in church. It's true. It's true. Let's start by the beginning. Whilst as yet he had not made the field, the earth or the field, or the primal dust of the earth. Who wrote Proverbs? Yeah, most likely Solomon. I don't think solely, but he most likely, most of it. And so the primal dust of the earth, that is matter, is really the beginning of creation. Is that true? If you go to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says this in his reference there in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, the Bible postulates the fact that God created all matter. You see, evolution teaches eternal matter. It does. 
if there is no God, it had to be there, right? Because you're here. You are, aren't you? Good. And so this is very interesting. God was not dependent on matter, which is very interesting. The other way around, matter was dependent upon God for its origin, and I put it to you today for its sustaining presence, it still depends on God. God still holds everything together. This is what Einstein taught us about matter and energy. He says that matter equates to energy, and energy therefore equates to matter. You know, matter is, if you bring it down to the molecules, to the atoms, which is neutrons, protons, and electrons that circle around the nucleus, there is an enormous force involved in an atomic structure. And so, we understand that in the modern age that we live, of course, Einstein was absolutely correct when he said that, and that really brings us to the very core of the belief or disbelief of evolution. Because all energy, and that science, must have a cause. Did you get that? Energy cannot occur spontaneous. It must have a cause. And there goes your theory, you believe in eternal matter. That really should put the whole of evolution to bed. I have never found an evolutionist who could wriggle his or her way out of this. That's the reality. And so, all energy must have a cause. There's a statement there in the, in the book of Revelation, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. This is what was supposed to be written, and he did. These things says the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, that word beginning, you're good in Greek, aren't you? Okay, is that not bad, is it? Hebrew, I'm right this. Greek? Well, anyway, their economy is not very good. What does it mean, Arke? What does it mean? Have a look at that. That by which anything, anything begins to be. Here's another one. The origin. Here's another one. I like this one particularly. The active Cause. When Jesus made that statement, he said to the church of the Laodiceans, what church are we actually? Okay, when did the Laodiceans church begin? Blimey, you've gone quiet. Are you always like that? Yes. Yeah, what does Laodiceans mean? That's what they are, lukewarm. It's not what it means. A people being judged. That's what it means. Oh, you should. That's us. 1844, right? Right. 1844 was the very year that Charles Darwin finished the manuscript of The Origin of Species. It got published 15 years later. Don't you find that remarkable? 
So this church was told by Jesus that he is the first cause of creation. Do you understand that? That's a very apt and a very necessary message to an end-time church that had to cope with the theory of evolution. Is that true? Doesn't matter where you go, the, the problem you have, the first problem you have is to convince people that God is the creator. Many Christians don't even believe that. Yet they are Christians. I'm going to demonstrate why that is a contradiction on terms that is calling yourself a Christian and not accepting him as your creator. Because that changes everything. Then Jesus of Nazareth as God was not your creator. Who are you praying to? Who are you worshipping? What are you worshipping? And when he invaded his own creation to reach out to us, the fact that he is the creator makes it significant. Because if he wasn't, then who was he? Yeah? Okay, let's have a look at this. First statement, the first verse of Genesis 1 sets the tone for the whole Bible. Everything that you believe hinges on this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You can also say in the Hebrew that word Shamayim here also means heaven, singular heaven. I believe it refers just to our atmospheric heaven. What we are dealing with is a claim that Genesis makes. It says very simply this, in the beginning, God created. This is so significant. Do you know that that first little word there, you read from right to left, already determines that there is one beginning as far as the planet is concerned. There's one beginning. There can't be more, multiple beginnings. There's only one beginning. And this is an opening statement. The Hebrew always begins with an opening statement. And this verse, if this verse is true, then the rest is true. If this verse is not correct, you cannot trust your Bible. And you better think again. If evolution could be proven, you are wasting your time here this morning. And what about me then? I could be somewhere else. The fact of the matter is we must absolutely understand that if this opening statement is questionable, then so is the rest of the Bible. Do you clearly see that, what I'm pointing to you? I wonder if you can see how important it is that we get this right, yeah? The reason why people won't come to the Word of God is because they can't believe the first sentence. That's the major obstacle. Folks, you with me? Good, good, okay. And so it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that is the most beautiful, profound statement. And I've said that already, but it's not changing. Okay. Oh, here's another one. The earth 
was what? Without form and void. You know, I have poured over these few statements, with the background from the Hebrew, of course, without form and void. That means it would have looked like that. Do you know that Genesis 1 doesn't begin with a round planet? Genesis 1 begins with the fact that it was not a sphere, it was not round. Because the Hebrew would have said so. Specifically it says it had no form, it was void, sterile. There was no light as you will see in the next statement. Which means somewhere out there in space was a mass of water, of dirt, created by God. I already showed you the verses that God created all matter. We have an eternal God and matter that has a beginning. What is fascinating here is that at this stage we have a frozen lump we would say a massive asteroid somewhere in space. Does anybody know what the temperature in space is? Cold. It's not often, yes, yeah, cold, yeah, good one. <laughs> he wins for your first prize because he's the only one. Minus 270 degrees Celsius is called Kelvin. You get the name Kelvinator from that. You know, they picked that from that. Named after Kelvin, of course, who established that. You can imagine that that is where it begins. That is what the Bible postulates. And it says, in some of the Bibles, it says, and it became. You know that little word down there, hayata, means also became. But here, and I can give you the grammatical reasons, it could never mean that if ever they try to sell you that idea, shelve it, it's no good. It cannot be. And so, as I told you, the first very letter, the way it was vowed, eliminates the possibility of multiple beginnings. The earth was without form and void is the next statement. And so, as we continue, and darkness was on the face of the presence. You know, I could give, and I often have, given a lecture on the first two verses, and you'll be here for approximately an hour and a half which is not going to happen today, because I have to go away too. So you're lucky. But it is so convincing. Now the Bible could have, God could have said to Moses, tell him. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In six days God created all that there is and what's in there. That would have been sufficient, wouldn't it? Would it? Huh? Yes, it would have been. But you know, God in his tremendous providence gave an account for your benefit, not for the benefit of Moses. Moses didn't have to deal with the theory of evolution. You do. You do. It is a major attack of Satan and he synchronized it with the advent of the Laodicean church. If you have difficulty believing in God's planning, follow the activity of Satan. He seems to understand better than we do what God has in mind. Whether you have a seventh-day Sabbath versus a first-day worship, or whether you have creation or evolution. 
you can see Satan's activity attacking that which God puts in place. And this is no exception. And so darkness was on the face of the presence. And then as we keep going, we find there is finally that beautiful statement that darkness was on the face of the presence, which means there was nothing to be seen. And now you can only wait for the next intervention of God. And that is this. God the Spirit moved on the presence of the water. Now this tells me so much about God. The word Elohim means what? God. Now it is a title. It is not a personal name of God. You know what is interesting about that verse? If you look at the word Elohim, it has a plural ending. Did you know that? How many of you knew that? Yeah, good, great. Now we have singular and we have plural. Yeah? It's either one or it is plural. True? Good. You are awake, aren't you? Yeah, watch it. I don't allow anybody to sleep. Now, the Hebrew has a singular, a dual, and a plural. Remember what I just said? Now, the ending of the word, if it is plural, and would be pertaining to God, it should have been Elohim you'll find that word nowhere. If there were only two persons in the Godhead, it would have had to have been Elohim. It isn't, it is Elohim, which means there is a plural beyond the two. And the first member of the Godhead that is mentioned is the obvious candidate. God the Spirit, or the Spirit of God. Same word in the Hebrew. Ruach Elohim. Do you understand this? Ever come across those who say, oh no, the Holy Spirit is not a person? This particular verse tells you that he is. You, are you all crystal clear on that? And to add to the fun, that word down here is a verb called Marachefet, comes from the verb rachaf, which is a moving, fast to and fro movement, not from A to B, but on the spot, a fast to and fro movement, which is indicative to all energy. It has frequency. The obvious candidate as the third person of the Godhead is God the Spirit. I don't know why people do not believe this. And we find that within our own circles, and if I'm intolerant of it, God must be far more. It's not right to discredit the description of the Holy Spirit as just a mindset. He is a person. A person you can grieve, by the way. Yeah? Everybody clear so far? Okay, let's move on a little bit. I don't know how far I'll get with this presentation. I'm taking it slowly. I want you to follow everything I say. Because it's nice and warm in here and it's doing some of you no good. 
<coughs> we should really open the windows and the doors. <coughs> and the Spirit of God moved over the waters. And this, of course, is the magnificent statement that says simply this. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Where does the light come from? That's it. But you know, this was not the sun. Because the sun came at what day? Four. People used to say to me, you can tell that what you believe in is all fairy tales. Everybody knows that the light comes from the sun. Yeah? You people, I like it when they say that, you people, believe that the sun was there on day four. How do you explain that? Well, how do you explain that? What do you say when you get a question like that? Oh, God can do everything. Yeah, yeah. That's what you believe. They don't. To them, obviously, the author made a mistake in putting the sun on day four and not on day one when the light was there. Yeah? I want to share something with you. If you have heard it already, good, if you remember it. And if you don't remember it, here's another opportunity. God saw the light and it was what? Ah. The Holy Spirit had energized that lump of frozen matter. He had moved on the water. I jumped over that verse very quickly because I can spend a lot of time on it. What he did, he defrosted. What happened is we have a gravitational element that is now functional. What we are having here is the heavier particles of this planet now gravitating towards the center and the lighter, the water, covering the whole of the earth. That is what that previous verse is intimating. That's the very end of the statement. What we have here, we have now a sphere because everything is now covered with water. It is now spherical and now what we have and what we need, of course, is light. Without light there is no life anyway, yeah? But it is not the sun. And I used to ponder upon this statement and I've heard many an explanation and none of them ever satisfied me. Until one day... It clicked. And you know how that happened? It is my job at home to put the garbage out, you know. And pay the bills, of course, but we won't worry about that. So I put the garbage out, and it happened to be a full moon. By the way, it was a full moon last night. Did you see it? Yeah, you're all romantics. And so, I look at the moon, and whenever I look at a full moon, I think of that text where it says... And God hangs the world in space. How did they know that then? Good. And so I looked and I wondered why the moon is unlike this planet. They're both planets, the earth and the moon. The moon is about one-sixth of the mass. But we are both planets. And I wonder why we were so different. And then it dawned on me, and I got it. I understood. This is uh, the moon, and if you were in one of those pyjamas that are very expensive, and they wear them for a purpose, do you know what the surface temperature of the moon is? 
anybody. I mean, you haven't been there of late, I know. But you might one day, young ones. Very hot or very cold. Yes, that's right. What's the surface temperature? Now, I know you're overdoing it, but I appreciate you trying to give it a bit of oomph. It's 135 degrees Celsius. What happens to water at 135 degrees? Yeah, what do we need at, at sea level? When, at, what, at what temperature does it evaporate? 100. Yeah, all right. Now, it's interesting if Day one, it would have been the sun. We would have lost virtually all the water. I'll tell you why. Water on sea level at 100 degrees Celsius. You go up 60,000 feet, it boils at body temperature. Here we have a description of a planet that is round, covered in water, but it has no atmosphere, because the atmosphere was created on the next day. You know that, don't you? So we have a planet absolutely unprotected by any atmosphere, now exposed to the sun. Water would have boiled at lower than our body temperature. How much lower? I don't know. Maybe at 20 degrees. And if the sun would have been the source, then the earth would have looked like that if you were ever to get on the moon, because that is the moon. It has no water. As the earth rotates around its axis every day, the sun with its major formation of infrared rays would have boil the water, and there would have been a development of what we call thermal velocity, it would have pushed the water, the vapor, outside the gravitational pull of the earth. And we can see certain phenomena of these types of gases escaping other gravitational realities elsewhere. This is fantastic. Did you get what I said? It's been a bit, it's different from what you expected, right? Good. Good. Why always have the same, eh? I want you to see something here today. God gave details, he gave an account, he gave you the evidence of inspiration. It is right in front of you. It is in the account of Genesis 1. Yeah? That's where it is. God doesn't ask you to believe something that you cannot prove. God will also give you the evidence that may not apply to everything. Yes, your faith may be tested. That is true. But on something fundamental, like the very beginning of this life, which we know as planet Earth, God gives us the evidence it is a matter of studying His Word. And that will increase your faith. Yeah? You with me there? Okay. Does everybody understand it? Because if you don't, you can ask me later. I'm just trying to show. Suppose it would have been the sun... 
the water would have evaporated, the surface of the earth within one to two days would have looked like this, and this is actually what you're going to see, the moon surface, and that's why the moon looks like that. It hasn't got water, it can't contain water. There might be a few bits and pieces of frozen ice somewhere, or frozen water in the form of ice somewhere, in a part that's never exposed to the sun. But can you see how magnificent this is? What has been, what shall I say, what has been attacked as absolute folly, absolute, what shall I say, ridiculous account of events, is really the proof that the Bible is inspired, that Moses was inspired. Moses wrote it. Moses wrote it. When, when, how long ago did Moses live? Anybody? You're a bit over the top. You guys surprise me sometimes. You do, you do. I was going to do a whole lot more. I'm not going to go through it all. You've got to study the Word of God. It is a gift. It is full of love. He tells you who He is. Jesus is your Creator. Absolutely. And then He comes to this planet. He comes to this planet and He gives Himself. God gives Himself. He did all this. And we're not even halfway yet. I'm not going to get any halfway either today. Moses wrote this three and a half thousand years ago. And what he wrote, what he postulated, the very idea that the source of light in the beginning was not the sun, could not be found anywhere else. He couldn't have gotten it from anywhere else. There is nothing in writing in antiquity that ever put forth the idea that the first light did not begin with the sun. That's my point. I'd like to think it helped you. It helped you that science is on our side because science and the Bible have the same author. It is merely a willingness of people to be willing to accept the fact. Nobody's asking anybody to believe the impossible. Evolution does. Evolution says you must begin, you must believe, you must accept eternal matter. Einstein says all matter is energy. Science, including evolutionists today, will tell you that all energy must have a cause. You find a statement there in the New Testament where he says, I am the first cause. And he is. He had to be. And I think that's beautiful. Because the God we worship is our creator. Now, come for a little bit more. Smells good. I can smell lunch. 
I don't know why, I always, every time I've preached here uh, on the end, I, I, I always know when it's time to, yeah, because it's lunch. And God divided the light from the day, so the evening, the morning, the first day. You know, time for one more little lesson here. He is here explaining that God now divides the light. So the light, even the first light, was directional. And then he introduces a day. Not just a stationary division. He talks about an evening and a morning. Now an evening is to go from light into darkness. Is that right? Morning is the opposite. You go from darkness into light. Yeah? You all got that. Okay. So there's only two possibilities. There's only two possibilities. Either the light source goes around the earth once a day. Yeah? The only other possibility is for the earth to turn on its axis. True? And right up into the 16th century, it was absolutely believed that the sun would go around the earth once a day. That's what they believed. Did you know that? They all did. There is nothing, no writing in antiquity that would postulate anything else but that the source of light, the sun, as we know it, would go around the earth every day. Once a day. What's the distance from here to the sun? Who? Very good. That's good. He beat you to it, too. 93 million miles. That's a long walk, isn't it? If the sun would go around the earth on a daily basis, the speed by which it would have to travel is 40 million kilometers an hour. That's unheard of. It would affect the integrity of its matter. It couldn't do that. That's an impossibility. Oh, we know that now. But it is marvelous that three and a half thousand years ago, a man who has seen nothing but desert, sand, rocks, more sand, rocks, desert, and a bunch of people that were far more difficult than you would ever be. And he says there was enough water to cover the whole globe. If the globe was smooth, we all would be under three kilometers of water. How did he know? How did he know? He didn't. If the sunlight would have been the source of light on day one, without a protecting atmosphere, buffering the radiation, we would have had no water. And God could have never said it was good. Of course, it would have been awful. No life without water. And then here he postulates, if you combine it, which we don't get to here today, the purpose of the creation, the sun and the moon for signs and seasons, locked up in the first account there in Genesis, is the reality that the earth must turn around its axis and not the other way around. And Mr. Copernicus had one enormous job to convince 
to convince his contemporaries that the earth was turning around its axis. And once a year it would travel around the sun and that is how we get our seasons. And I didn't get that far. Why did I think I was going to? Don't know. What is fascinating to me? Galileo got into trouble. He sort of insulted the Pope. You shouldn't do that, but he did. His helper, Bruno, was actually burned on the stake for suggesting other solar systems. But you know, the great man Kepler took it over, and Newton and all the others. And they recognized what Copernicus was actually discovering. You see, if the sun would go around the earth once a day, you would have four seasons in one day every day. It's that simple. My point to you here today is simply this. We have a wonderful God. We've only touched on a few verses. I I meant to go a lot further. And here's another one. Do you know that that word down here, because you read from right to left, is the word for one or a? In your Bible, it says, so the evening and the morning were the first day. Is that true? It's not right. It's not right. In the Hebrew, it doesn't say at all it was the first day. Then that word should be the word Rishon. But it isn't. You know what it literally says? Here, have a look at this. Literally, it says, evening was, morning was, one day. Have you ever heard people say, oh, you know this creation account, this is symbolic, you understand, this is symbolic. Have you heard that? Yes, of course you have. You know, those six days, long ages, have you ever heard that? took a long time. Each day represents an enormous period of time. You ever heard that? It's a very popular belief amongst what we call theist evolutionists who believe that God had a supervising role in the process of evolution, a process that he employed or used or directed. Yep. You know, the Bible, if you study it properly, it eliminates that very possibility because it's crystal clear, crystal clear says it was one day. The process of day, night, morning, evening is, Moses wrote three and a half thousand years ago, is one day, a day. Now, and the second day, and the second day could never be the second day if it was any different, could it? So that was the same duration. The third day couldn't be any different either, could it? Are you with me? Because it wouldn't be the third day, would it? Fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day? Do you understand that if you read this account, somehow it becomes crystal clear to me that the God that we worship Do you think that God foreknew the theory of evolution surfacing? Do you believe that? Me too. Because he made provisions three and a half thousand years ago 
And he gave the absolute, absolute, rock-solid evidence of inspiration to a man who incorporated science in the account that he could have had never known. That's my point. God loves you. He wants you to believe his word. He wants you to believe it and he wants you to walk on it. And then one day you're going to live with him. You know what I'm going to do when I get there? I have a million questions. And I'm going to do what I'm doing now. First I'm going to make sure I grasp it all. And then send me anywhere. And I'll tell them. This is beautiful. The God we worship is beautiful. He came here. He died the way he died. How can you not love him? Let's have the benediction. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our Father. For the gift of Jesus. How can we even comprehend Thank you for the written word. Thank you for the evidence. Thank you for all that you have done for us and given us. Now help us to be grateful. And live it. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This message was made available by the Wallara Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit wallarachurch.org. That's Wallara, W-O-O-L-L-A-H-R-A, church.org. to healthy living around the world. I am recording here on site at Cedarvale Health and Lifestyle Retreat, which is located in the beautiful Kangaroo Valley, a couple of hours south of Sydney in Australia. With me today is a special guest, Sarah Silas. Welcome to the program, Sarah. Thank you. Now, Sarah, tell me, where are you from originally? Oh, well, I'm from Vanuatu. From Vanuatu? Yeah. Very nice. I've been there before once. It's a beautiful place. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And tell me, how has it come about that you're here in Australia? You're here at Cedarville. Uh, Yeah, it's a long story. I stay with a doctor from Australia working in Vanuatu and I worked with him for three years. He asked me that is it okay if I want to go and stay in a health retreat? And I'd be like, oh, that sounds interesting. So, yeah, that's where I, the story goes and I'm ended up here. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so he put you in touch with the yes. folks here and now you've come here and you've been here a little while now. Mm. Tell me, what kind of things have you been doing here? Yeah, I just do the massage and <laughs> hydrotherapy cold and like contrast shower and 
clay wrap, minerals, mineral pad, and yeah, a lot of natural remedies and this stuff. Ah, so you've been learning to give a variety of treatments. Yes, that's it. And also help in the kitchen, cooking. So okay. that's what I do. So you're here as a student, is that correct? Yeah. Learning about all these different things to help people with their health. Yeah. Very good. Now, tell me, with the work that you did with the doctor in Vanuatu, which you did before you came mm. here, was that to do with natural health-related treatments? Yes. The doctor I stayed with him for the last three years is uh, taking patients to his clinic and looking after them. That doesn't mean he only treat them with drugs and like medicine and all this stuff, but also encouraging them to change their diet and yeah, it's all to do with healthy living and all this. So I'm also bad in what he's doing there. So yeah. So it's been a few years now that you've been doing quite a lot with um, helping people with healthy living. Yeah. Okay, that's that's excellent. Can you? tell me how you came to appreciate healthy living for you personally you're doing a lot of things that are helping other people um, and you're learning how to do that but how has living a healthy lifestyle helped you well back then before i started like coming to contact with the doctor i didn't know anything about healthy living and all this uh, i i didn't care much about my health but after when I landed, yeah, we need to look after our body and yeah, taking the right food and all this because it will affect our health. So I really appreciate that I came to learn more about health, healthy living. And for now, I feel like, yeah, I'm so happy that I know it. And I also like to encourage more people to, you know, try to take their health more seriously because sometimes we take it for granted and we didn't realize that what we take in or yeah and then we get suffer after that get different diseases and all this but I really encourage everyone to look like take more consider more on looking after their body and taking the right things into their body that they won't get uh, affected later like years after so since you've been living a healthier lifestyle have you noticed any changes in your own health yes uh, I found that when I started to uh, you know get more into health and all this I've it helps me a lot especially with sleeping and the way I think mm -hmm. I feel like wow I think more clearly I guess okay you've noticed yeah that. I, I noticed that and also I feel more you know because I I do exercise you know, at least I didn't take I didn't do exercise much oh so yeah this is a, a new thing yes yeah, so of... everything is like new for me and oh, wow. I was like so excited because yes now I do a lot of exercise and I find that I'm fit. Well, actually, I'm not really fit, but I find that, yeah, it helps me a lot. And mm -hmm. I have problem with sleeping. And I don't know, but when I started doing exercises and all this, I, it helps me with my sleeping habits now. Right. Yeah, okay, so I, I don't know how it works, yeah. but yeah, it, it, uh, I found that, yeah. That's, so you've found since you've been exercising, you're sleeping much better. Yeah. 
That's so good. So many people mm. struggle with sleeping. So the fact mm. that you've found that improvement, that's, that's really encouraging. So what would be your most favorite lifestyle habit that you've now put in place in your life? Oh, yeah. I grew up in a family. We used to have meat and everything. But for now, I find that I feel like I won't get any more meat. I want to be like vegetarian. Mm -hmm. But anyway, before that, when I... Because I grew up eating a lot of meat and I find it so hard to let go of meat. Mm. But something that I did, maybe it will encourage, I will, what I'm sharing will encourage some of us who is like struggling with mm -hmm. uh, food, especially eating meat and all this. Mm. And if you want to make a start, then that's what I did. I find it so hard to let go of all the meat. So, but because just I think I became vegetarian, vegetarian only three years from now oh quite so, recently yeah, yeah. quite mm -hmm. recently but before that uh well i find it so hard to let go all the meat and for the first few few months i just become one of the meat like i think fish is my favorite yes so i just eat fish like and then i stop all the other meat and then um it takes, I slowly try to like not have fish regularly. Mm -hmm. So I have fish like once a, once a week, at first I start once a week because okay. yeah, <laughs> it's a hard. Yes. <laughs> so once a week and then slowly I go once a month uh -huh. or twice a month and then go once. Okay. And then I feel like, okay, then now I can go without meat. So, right. so, so you just take it a little step at a time. Yeah, that's right. That's what I did because I found it so hard. I used this method and I find that, oh, yeah, that that's help. And slowly I I get that just, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's, that's really interesting how you were able to do that in just little increments at a time. And mm -hmm. that, I guess those, those increments were achievable for you and therefore in the long run, yeah. you've been able to sustain that change. Mm. That's, that's really encouraging. Yeah, and my family is like every one of us in the family, we, we hit meat. Uh -huh. So sometimes it's a challenge for me when I stay back with my family. Even now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I have to, my food will be like different from them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're like, oh, maybe it's rude that I have my own type of food and they have theirs. But anyway, uh, I was encouraged that, yeah, I think I need to learn more about like getting more new recipes and all mm. this and I can prepare the food for my family and all this and try to introduce them to healthy food like you know vegetarian diet and all this because I found that it helps me so it might help them also oh wow that's a good yeah. way of approaching that challenge mm. because you then instead of just saying oh no I can't handle it because they're all eating the other way mm. you're saying well I can introduce them to this good yeah this good food and maybe they'll enjoy it too Mm. That's that's a really good approach. How has your healthy lifestyle changes that you've put in place, how has that affected your spiritual life? Well, uh, I think when I started to like change my diet and try to introduce uh, doing exercise and all this, I feel like um, it helps me to think more clearly so mm -hmm. when I read the word of God and I feel like wow because uh, sometimes I just read for the sake of reading and I, I will I didn't get what I, I'm, I'm reading but 
when I try to live a healthy life and trying to get the right food, doing a lot of exercise and follow the principle of health, new stuff, I think some people might know that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's those eight principles of yeah. healthy living, nutrition, exercise, yeah. water, well, all of that, those ones, sunshine. Yes. Yeah, so uh-huh. when I follow those eight principles of uh, health and I find it, it helps me to think more clearly and also to descend, like trying to um, make right decision, choice and mm-hmm. all things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it really helps me with especially my spiritual life. And also remember a Bible verse in verse Corinthians where it says that whatever you take, like you do, whatever you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Yes. So, yeah, sometimes I didn't think when I just, at first I grab anything just because it tastes good and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> I just have them. But now I find that, wow, is this bring glory to God if I drink this or if I eat that? And so, yeah, now when I learn more about the health, I think more about what I'm taking in and all this. I think, yeah. So it sounds to me like your your healthy living is not only making your mind clearer so that you can have a better relationship with God, but your relationship with God is also influencing what you're doing with your body now because you're, you know, you're the quote. So I can ask a question like, yes, did this, is what God wants me to have it or not? Yes, yes, they're influencing each other. That's very, Mm. very interesting. Yeah, that they, it goes both ways. So that's that's very good. What would you say to someone then, because you've had experience where you've made changes in your own lifestyle and you're helping others here and back in Vanuatu before, um, in with their lifestyles. What would you say to someone who is wanting to make changes with their lifestyle? and wanting to be successful at it is there anything that you would recommend in terms of strategies or 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 tips for them in that situation i will encourage everyone and also my family i will also encourage them that they will like just have a try it's good to try and you know it's it's not easy at first but if you continue keep on trying and all this and slowly you will see the change happening and you will appreciate it and and yeah it it doesn't be like once like just when you did it and you can see the change happening at the same time it's a it's like a process okay well that's what i'm speaking from experience like what i'm going through um, so it's not like an instant over, yeah, overnight the, magical change that happens. happens yeah. Uh-huh, but it, it takes time. Uh-huh. So don't be discouraged mm. if, you, if you try and you feel like, oh, I didn't see any change. Because uh, it, like I've said, it takes time. Mm. And when you continue on, you try your best and all this. Yes. And pray about it mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's not really easy. But when you pray about it, and God will help. For okay. me, God, God helped me. I found it so hard, but I read a lot of Bible and all this, and I prayed about it, and I keep on trying. Sometimes I fail. To be honest, I fail sometimes. Mm. But and then I didn't feel like I feel like ah, oh, I have to continue on. I won't be fall, and that's all. I just change back to the normal lifestyle I used before, but. When I fail, I just pray and ask God to give me strength and all this. So I encourage mm. everyone that, you know, we can do it with God's help. 
and nothing is impossible for God and if that's what God wants for us to have good health in order to do his work then we'll try it God will also help us that's very encouraging mm. yes it's, so often it's you know you can, people can try really hard and mm. it feels like it's it's impossible for them to do <laughs> make yeah. these changes but it's encouraging that not only we, we will see the results even though it might make might take some time but there's also a source of strength mm. you know god is wanting to help us be healthy that's so yeah. encouraging so is it's the same as in exercise mm-hmm. like when you you started doing exercise you don't do much like uh you you walk you you run for one kilometer or something for the first time you're like oh I'll do this because after that you will feel like oh you don't like it but if you go slowly and then you start like improving okay then yes. yeah it will help mm-hmm. because if you try your best and you try to make a big change like quickly as possible but sometimes you will feel like oh you don't like it anymore and then it will like be a, it will discourage you mm. then you feel like oh I'm done I don't want to do it anymore <laughs> but yes. so, like I've said it takes time yeah well, we they, don't want people to give up. Yeah. <laughs> so you very much encourage us to not give up because, uh, you know, you've put things in place in your life and mm-hmm. it's taken time, but it's the, it's been worth it, right? Yeah, it's worth it. Very good. And when you see the result, you really appreciate what you're doing and you feel like, oh, yes, I'm, I'm happy that I did the, the right thing. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us your experience today. Um, I think it's been it's been very encouraging, very interesting to hear what things you have learned and the fact that you've been able to make some positive changes in your own life and are helping others do the same. I think that will really be a blessing for people to hear. Thank you for tuning in on this program. You've been listening to Healthy Living Around the World and we have been recording today on site at Cedar Vale Health and Lifestyle Retreat in the Kangaroo Valley south of Sydney in Australia. With me has been a guest from Vanuatu Sarah Silas and she has been sharing her experience of working here at Cedar Vale Health and Lifestyle Retreat. I am your host Casey Butler and until next time God bless you in your endeavors to live a healthier life. Bye for now. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.